I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. Every now and then, something crosses my screen, whether it's on my phone or on the computer, and I'm captivated by what I've seen. And, and a lot of times, it's, it's little things. It's a meme here. It's a funny photo there. It's a video explaining something in depth in a very short 30 seconds to a minute. But about, I don't know, six or seven months ago, I guess, I was on Twitter, as I probably often am, and I stumbled upon a thread, a story, if you will, being told by this this Catholic mom that I'd interacted with very loosely on Twitter before. You know, we liked each other's posts. We'd commented back and forth a couple of times. I did not know her well at all. And she started telling this story on this Twitter thread. So she's, you know, she's just posting a bunch of things all linked together, kind of like a little mini blog up on Twitter. And she's telling the story of how her family converted to Catholicism and how so much of her story, her family's story, was anchored in the mass. It was, it was a captivating few tweets talking about bringing her kids to the regular Protestant church service that they would go to and a kid getting sick along the way and how that was just kind of this, this eye-opening moment of maybe we should be doing something different. She tells the story much better than I am in this intro, but you know, every now and then when those, those tweets or those, those memes or those posts on Instagram capture my attention, I think to myself, well, we need to tell that story to a wider audience. There are more people who need to hear this. There are more people who need to know this story, more people who could benefit from this And so when we mapped out this season for Ave Explorers talking about the Mass, and we've got the priests, and we've got the theologians, and we've got the people working in parishes, and we've got the people sitting in the pews, I wanted to tell a story of a person whose life was transformed from the pew, a completely novice encounter with the Mass, totally new, totally unaware, and what the liturgy, what worshiping at the altar can do for a person, can do for a family. This conversation is one that I I was so, so excited to have because I think Amber Casey, our guest today, mother, military spouse, homeschooler, right? Her experiences, her background, her conversion story is about as, as unique as all conversion stories, but is also incredibly familiar and, dare I say, common, especially if you sit down and, and talk to converts who encounter the mass maybe for the first time and are struck by the similarities that they didn't know were in scripture or are captivated by the stability that the worship brings, how, how grounding it can be to know when to sit, stand and kneel, to know what's coming next, no matter where you happen to be in the world worshiping. This conversation is such a, a great wrap up to our entire series in this final week of Ave Explores because it shows us, right, if we know what the Mass is and how the Mass was developed and what's going on in the Mass and how to stay focused in the Mass and and the differences even between the Latin Mass and the ordinary form of the Mass, and now here's a story of somebody whose life was changed by the Mass. This is all part of our Ave Explores series on the Mass. You can find everything over at AveMariaPress.com. You're not going to want to miss any of it, including all of the replays of our Instagram Lives, including yesterday's great Instagram Live with Father Blake Britton, where he answered your questions about the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. We're so glad that he was able to join us. 
We hope that you subscribe to our series and find everything that we've created for you. Rate and review this podcast. But for right now, we'd love it if you'd sit back and enjoy this conversation with Amber Casey about how the mass changed her family's lives. Amber, welcome to Ave Explorers. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. So I know you through, as as some people now know, I harvest guests for the show from Twitter and from Instagram and from Facebook. Basically, if I see something that strikes me, I think, okay, that's a story worth telling. That's a person worth talking to. It's the coolest job in the world to just get to talk to people I want to talk to. And and I, I've watched you on Twitter. I've watched your kids. I've watched your family, a little bit of your conversion. We have a mutual friend and Father Casey. So tell us a little bit about you guys and and what... You're not Father Casey. Let me, Father Cassidy. There you go. <laughs> There's too many priests floating around in my head. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about who you guys are, where you are, and and then we'll kind of get into your conversion story. Okay. Well, currently we live in Virginia, in Williamsburg. So that is how we know Father Cassidy. And we're a military family. So Air Force, we move around a lot. Um, but wow. the Lord currently has us here. And we have seven soon to be eight children that I stay home and homeschool. And we are very new to the faith still. So Father Cassidy was a big part of that for us, bringing us in. He's the one that baptized all seven kids so far. And oh, wow. he was there when we, my husband and I were confirmed. I mean, he was the one that did all that. So we feel yeah. very special thanks to him as he has really like brought us along the journey into our faith and teaching us. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's start from the beginning. Y'all are a military family. Your husband's in the Air Force. I was just at a conference of, of military Catholic women, and I was so impressed with the, the great sacrifices that military families and especially military wives make. Y'all were not Catholic. Tell us a little bit about your faith journey, what faith you were, and then maybe your first kind of taste of Catholicism. Where did interest come from? So it actually goes back like a decade ago. My husband was deployed at the time, and he started reading through his Bible really seriously, more seriously than he had done before. And as he was doing that, he was just feeling a drawing closer to the Lord. And as he was doing that, Lord, what do you want for my life? What should I do as you draw me closer? So he started thinking, well, maybe I could become a chaplain in the Air Force. Mm. And then that's where it all began because he (laughs) thought, oh no, what denomination? So we were kind of not really a certain denomination. It was just kind of Protestant generalized, we would move to a new place. We would find a church that we both semi agreed on, <laughs> mm. you know, based upon, oh, do we like the pastor and the sermons and, and things like that? And, you know, do we like the child care options that they have? Because, of course, you don't bring your children into. Right. <laughs> so that was really where we were. And as he was discovering that process, he started finding with a little bit of horror and shock, I don't really know which denomination is right. Like, I don't want to just pick one somebody's got to be right. And so he began really reading and reading. And my husband is a very avid researcher, reader. And as he started diving deeper, he discovered, okay, we can't all be right here because we're saying conflicting Mm -hmm. things. And the Lord is a God of unity and of order. And that does not line up with the God that I know. So he began kind of weeding out different denominations and started going, well, what's the original? who was here first. And as he did that, he started looking at the Orthodox Church and then also Catholicism. So that was decade of reading and research. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would be on YouTube watching all these Catholic, you know, 
apologetics and all this stuff. And I was completely hands off at this point. I didn't, I had no interest because at the time we were attending, when it really kind of came to a head, we were attending a Southern Baptist church and I was comfortable. I had friends, I had community there. I felt comfortable in the faith that I'd known my whole life. And so Catholicism freaked me out. Yeah. (laughs) Because as a Protestant growing up, I was told that the Catholics aren't even Christian. That's what I was told. So I thought that it was a bunch of rituals and strange things and and not a real deep faith. Like I thought it just wasn't something real. And so I thought, why why would I go that direction when all I know of it is, I don't know, they say Hail Marys and what what's their deal with Mary? And I just I <laughs> so I was not ready to dive in. And it kind of created some stress in our marriage because here he was wanting to go this direction and I'm still heading down another path. And mm-hmm. so yeah, it was just, it created some strife and, and stress. And I thought like, how can I get on board with this? So he tried to have me go to mass. This is now 2018. We had just had our daughter a couple months prior, our fourth child. And we went to a local church there. There was a mass. I went in, he did not prepare me for anything. So going from a Protestant <laughs> service where, you know, hands are raised worshiping and there's worship songs and then the sermon and kind of know the general flow, what to do. I had no idea what was going on, what people were doing. Everyone seemed to know what to say. And I'm going, I have (laughs) no clue what this is. And I was so intimidated by that. People also didn't greet me at the door. Like Mm. I was used to greeters and here's where you put your child for childcare. So now I'm managing Mm. four kids with, you know, a newborn. (laughs) In the pew, they they have no baptism by fire. Yeah, Yeah, so I I reacted very strongly to that, and and I was like, I'm not going back. I'm I'm not doing that. But my Mm -hmm. husband was very persistent. He would send me links to YouTube videos, like just listen to this, watch this, you know, read this article. He had me read Scott and Kimberly Hahn's book, and so I read that, and it was very funny how much I related to the initial stages of Kimberly Hahn. And her, she describes it as like a horror story, like, you know, just like her, her husband is trying to convert. And I, I just related to her and I'm underlining things and all my questions <laughs> and all these things. And I still didn't have enough time really to dive deeply into finding out, do I believe this is true? Mm. Being a homeschooling mom with that many little kids, again, like Kimberly Hahn, it was like, how do I dive into the theology of this when I'm busy mm-hmm. just trying to change diapers and keep up with homeschooling. So that was a whole year of me kind of sort of dipping into trying to understand things, but I really didn't. And then fast forward to the beginning of 2019, I had a lot of prodromal labor. And so I wasn't going anywhere. People always thought I Mm -hmm. need to go to the hospital because I would be like, oh, contraction after (laughs) contraction, still no baby. So I actually stayed home. We didn't go to church, I think for like five weeks leading up to my daughter being born in February, 2019. And she was born, I recovered and she was three weeks old and we got in the car to go to church for the first time. It was the first time loading up all the kids and we were on time. We thought we were just winning at life at this point with five kids loaded in the van and headed to church on time. (laughs) And we were only a block away from our house, still in our neighborhood. And my then 14 month old daughter pukes everywhere, all over Mm. her dress car seat, everything is just completely soaked. We had no indication she was sick. So we didn't know what was going on. So we 
whip the car around to go back home and we're taking apart the car seat and I'm trying to bathe <laughs> her. And it was like, well, there's another service, you know, at 11, we could go to the, the later one. We can still make it. And as I was standing in front of my washer and dryer closet, I had one of the most important moments, I think, in my whole life. And I was washing all these puke off and car seat parts off, you know, and it was this thought that I know was not my own because I would not have wanted this thought to come into my mind. And I know it was the Holy Spirit and it just hit me so hard. And it was maybe this happened because you're not supposed to go back to that church and you need to look up the mass times and you need to give it a chance mm -hmm. again. In that moment, I was, I was angry actually at mm -hmm. that thought because I was still pushing it away. I didn't want to change my life so dramatically. And I didn't tell my husband that day because I thought if I tell him that I had that thought, he's going to <laughs> jump with all excitement and, you know, yeah. say, yes, we're doing it. You're finally on board. Let's do it. Because that's all he had wanted was to just start attending mass as a family. When I finally did talk to him later that day, I told him, he said, I had the same thought, but I was scared to tell you. I was so scared. He's like, I, I felt like the, it happened and it was from the Lord. I mean, obviously like no one enjoys oh. the puke of a, a child and right. Right. all of that, but it, he felt like that was something that the Lord had sent as wow. a message. And so as we talked about, I said, okay, I need to surrender. I need to surrender to this and surrender to the leadership of my husband. And even if I don't understand everything about Catholicism, and I don't understand what in the world's going on at mass, I'm going to give it a chance. Mm. So the very next Sunday, same thing, we got in the car. And this time we headed to mass at the local church there. And we hadn't, we haven't been back to a Protestant church since. Wow. So the Lord really used that moment to, yeah. I guess, just help me surrender to it. Yeah. And so as we've now gone further and I've learned more. I really, I still didn't know very much. My husband got me Universalis, the app to be able to see like the order of the yeah. mass to see like, what are people saying? I mean, cause I just really mm -hmm. felt so lost. So I would go home and I would be like, the Gloria, what are the, what words are they saying? Like, <laughs> what, what are the responses? You know, like, Lord, yeah. I am not worthy. And you know, cause like people would start going and everyone seemed to know, but me, <laughs> I felt yeah. So I had yeah. a lot of emotional um, moments in the mass as I was trying to keep up and trying to understand. And the beautiful thing about that is that as an adult coming into it, I didn't want to just, okay, this is what I say. I wanted to know, well, why are we saying that? Yeah. Why is that important in the mass? Why is that there? And so I was able to dig in and see how much beauty is in. It's not, we're not just saying words. Right. Like these are, these are things that are the tradition that's been passed down and it is so beautiful. And I have absolutely fallen head over heels in love mm -hmm. with the mass and yeah. being able to pass that on to my children. So as I'm teaching them, I'm also teaching myself. Right, right. I, I, I'm loving this. So the first, of course, like the Holy Spirit just kind of gobsmacking you and saying like, no, no, like this was I like the Lord doesn't cause children to puke, but it certainly doesn't hurt when he like can use an objectively awful moment right. for his greater glory. So my mom is a convert from Southern Baptist and oh, she really? and I have 
talked for, you know, for years about how when she first came into the church and, and first started going with my dad, cause they were dating and it was just kind of like, look, like I'm Catholic. Like I, you know, you can be what you want to be, but I'm Catholic. And, and this might not be a tenable situation beyond a certain point. And the first time that she went and it was very similar, it was like, what are all, well, how does everybody know what to do? <laughs> and yet at the same time, like I, you know, I've been to to Protestant worship services before. I had a, a young person in my youth group years ago who's like, look, I'll come to Catholic Bible study if you come to our Wednesday night worship. And it's like, y'all, y'all pretend like we all have this like secret club, like we know what to do and nobody told us. But the same <laughs> thing is true if you go into a, a non-denominational church or, sure. or a Southern Baptist, like they have a routine. Everybody falls into routine and rhythm of worship. Mm-hmm. Ours is just a little more ritualistic and it's a little more traditional and it's a little more like... I, I would say organized is maybe not the best of words, but on the one hand, there's this like, oh, no, 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 like that's too rigid. But I found, and and confirm this or deny this, and talking to my mom and even hearing you talk about it, at first it can be very jarring, but then eventually it becomes very comforting because there's no surprise. It's like, yeah, yeah, like the Holy Spirit can work through this ritual and this rhythm and this, I don't have to make this up. Like the church is giving it to me and so many other areas of my life, I have to figure it out. I have to make it up. I have to pretend like I have to fake it till I make it. But now when I walk into mass, when I walk into mass, I know what's going to happen. And there's comfort in that. Did you find that that started happening in your mind, that, that comfort of the rhythm? Yes. And honestly, as a very type A organized scheduled person, I am shocked at how much it's like the Lord use that to like say, see, I'm like that too. And I felt, I felt closer to the Lord as I went through learning what the structure Mm -hmm. and, and the order. And I actually find it so peaceful knowing what to expect, knowing what's coming, you know, especially having seven children in the pew with me. (laughs) I don't actually hear all of the readings. Much okay? of it, yeah. <laughs> right. So to know that I can get on like the Amen app while yep. I'm getting ready Sunday morning and listen to the readings ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Then when I only pick out the pieces, I, yeah. I, know, I know what kind of where we're at, what scripture mm-hmm. is being read. And so there is something that is so peaceful and soothing about that. And truly, yeah. one of my favorite verses is that God is a God of order out of disorder, right? So mm-hmm. there is something about that, that, and as I've gone back to and studied more of the Old Testament, I'm seeing how much in Catholicism and in the mass, we are reflecting what God set up. He instituted mm-hmm. everything in the tabernacle and everything, all the rules. I mean, I, we, as Protestants, you know, tend to say, oh, you know, Jesus came and he replaced all that. And his, but that's God's character, mm-hmm. right? That's who he is. And God doesn't change. Right. So there's something to it that there, there should be structure and there should be order. And I love that there's the cycle of reading. So we know like, okay, you know, this is where we're at. And there's the rhythm and just even learning the liturgical calendar and Mm -hmm. what's coming in the different seasons. And it's so beautiful and rich and deep. And I'm, I'm just crazy about it now. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this big movement right now in the church, not even in the church, of people, the, the the phrase, the buzzword is deconstructing, right? Like people are taking what they've known their whole lives and they're pulling it apart to try to then put it back together 
so that they understand how it works. Like our, our kids do this. Like we'll, we'll mm-hmm. hand Rose a Lego thing that she created two days ago and she'll just want to pull it apart to understand how she did it. But one of the things of, of deconstruction that I've found that might be good, as much as I hate the word or even sometimes the process, is that it, it allows a person to look at the why behind what we're doing. And what I found with converts is you get to start from trying to understand the why. It, it, right. it was handed to me, and at 15, 16 years old, I had this crisis of faith and had to kind of put it together for myself to understand. Mm-hmm. And, and what I, I'm almost jealous of converts at times is that you got to discover it with a fully formed frontal cortex. <laughs> you got to discover <laughs> it kind of in a circumstance and situation of life that almost demanded that you ask these bigger questions. I want to go back to a part of your story. So your husband felt that he had this moment of, yeah, like I felt the same thing too, but I didn't want to say anything. And you mentioned there had been some struggle in the debate. I feel like a lot of people go through this in their marriages when it comes to faith, maybe interfaith marriages, maybe different, you know, somebody who was raised without any faith whatsoever. And what did y'all find as y'all began to dig into Catholicism and started going through RCIA and coming into the church? How did that impact the family life? How did that impact your marriage in a, in a good way, in a healing way? For the first time, I felt like I was coming under the covering and protection of my husband and trusting mm-hmm. his leadership in our faith. I think that because we had been at odds, I mean, it really was at odds, basically all of our marriage, because wow. it was just all of, not that we didn't both believe in the Lord and have a relationship and, we, you know, read our Bible and all these things. But when it came to picking a church, again, being military, having to move. So there's the constant reality of having to pick a new one. I didn't like his choices and he didn't like mine. And honestly, and it's embarrassing to say, but sometimes I would pout about it because I'm like, I don't Mm want to go to, you know, the church that you picked. I don't like this one. It doesn't fit me, you know, because, you know, that's what Protestant (laughs) mindset is, is you pick what what you want, right? Mm -hmm. Pick off the menu. And I found that as I surrendered, I think really my rebellion against Mm. not just the Lord, but my husband, I was able to find so much peace. Our marriage, the communication has gotten so much better because we don't have this giant, I guess, separation of which direction we're heading. And so being able to come closer in line and walk in a straight line together Mm. Towards the Lord has made a huge impact. And I feel, so we've been married 15 and a half years now. And I would say the last three have been hands down the the best three years wow. of our marriage. Yeah, And I wouldn't say that the stressors have gotten any less. I mean, having as many children packed closely together that we do, like <laughs> it's certainly gotten wilder and crazier. And yet yeah. I feel overall, we are just walking in line with each other so much more. Yeah. So. It sounds like the, the mass is an anchor in your life. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. How did it impact your, your kids? What, what, I mean, they were still very little. They still are very young. Mm-hmm. When they recognize mommy and daddy are investing in this, I mean, you, you bring your children along mm-hmm. to a point. They, you know, I'm not going to say, I, some people might get mad when I say, your kids don't have a choice in some things, right? Like, you're the parent. We're going right? here on Sunday. But what did you notice in your kids, especially your older children, as you all started to invest in this Catholic journey? I think the hardest was for the older kids because they would have been, let's see, seven and five. 
I can't, I can't remember. Big family problems, right? I know. I'm like, how old was <laughs> I only have two and I can barely remember their birthdays and ages. Yeah, and I, guess, I guess they would have been eight and six at the time. Okay. So they yeah. were used to going to the children's church, meaning right. that like they peel off to their classrooms and it's fun and games and silly songs. And, you know, yeah, they might crack the Bible open. I don't know. I mm-hmm. Coloring page here and there. It was fun time for them, right? Yeah. So when yeah. we told them that we were going to start going to the Catholic church, they were like, so where do we go for, with the other kids? And I'm like, well, you don't. And so for the first couple of weeks, that was a really hard adjustment for them, especially because of course they didn't know what was going on. And so I had to invest quite a bit of time at home explaining as yeah. also teaching myself right. what the parts of the master. Okay. And now what do we do when there's the gospel reading? And you know, that's been just such a beautiful thing because I see other people um, that have walked away from the Catholic church mm-hmm. and I have people in my life close to me, won't name names, but um, that grew up Catholic mm-hmm. and walked away like high school, college age to yeah. a Protestant church. And one of the things that I've noticed is that they don't know why they were doing what they were doing. Yeah. Right. You know, signing across our forehead and our lips and mm-hmm. our heart, right? Like I explained that to this person since then, after they had been in the Catholic yeah. church from their baptism at birth, all the way through high school, college, and yeah. they had no idea why that was done, what it even meant. And mm-hmm. so I'm able to see that my children get that understanding the meeting. I'm not going to just tell them quick, you know, kneel down. Like, well, why are we kneeling? Why are we standing for the gospel? Why are we like, I want them to understand what is behind all of it because I don't want it to become empty gestures. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Amber. I certainly enjoyed having it with her. You know, this entire Ave Explorer series on the mass is housed at our website, AveMariaPress.com. Everything we've made, every podcast, every article, every Instagram live, it's up on our website. You know, and one of the things we hope people do is after they listen to this podcast, they click down in our show notes. It leads you straight to the links uh, that will bring you to all of the amazing things that we've created. Every now and then somebody will reach out and say, have you ever done a podcast on? And they'll name a topic. And we have. We've covered a lot of ground in the three years that this podcast has existed in the 200,000 plus downloads that this podcast has accumulated. So go check it all out over at AveMariaPress.com. You're going to love what you find there. We're so grateful that you're with us on this journey. All right, back to the conversation with Amber. Our kids deserve to know too. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like as, as moms especially, there's this responsibility upon us. Like I notice when my husband kneels down on Sunday at the consecration, Rose is watching. Claire's watching. Claire's at the age where she just wants to climb and stand and make faces <laughs> behind. And we're just, it's like up until the age of two, I'm fine with that. And when we hit two, then we're going to get a little stricter about like, no, we are doing what everybody else is doing. But right now you're just, we're just trying to keep you from screaming. But Rose <laughs> yes. especially. So she goes to Catholic school. So they have mass every Friday. And then of course we're either at Saturday at four or Sunday morning at 7 a.m. So it's, it's kind of like back to back masses. And mm-hmm. she sits pretty close to the front at school church because she's in pre-k so they have the little ones close to the front and then when we go as a family we just kind of slip into whatever first pew we can find that then we can make a quick escape with claire <laughs> so i noticed just a couple weeks ago we're, we're sit at mass tommy kneels down 
I'm there trying to wrangle Claire so I can kneel down. And Rose wants to stand. And I said, well, baby, it's time to kneel. I can't see. Well, daddy's kneeling, but why? And we're at that phase of four and a mm -hmm. half. Like, well, daddy can see when he kneels. I understand you want to be able to see, but we need to figure out a reverent posture not just standing on the kneeler and trying to bounce up and down and, and trying to, right. to dig into the reasoning behind it. And so finally Tommy turned to her and in the genius of a dad in that moment who wasn't as stressed as I was, he mm -hmm. looks at her and he was like, we kneel for Jesus because he's the king. And it was like, that was it. That was the end of the, that was all we had to do. And she was like, oh my gosh, a king? You know, like in, yeah. in the shows that I watch on Disney, there's a king and everybody curtsies to the king. Okay, like this is the king I need to. And there was this moment of, when you find the language to explain it or when you, you recognize the gesture actually yeah. means something more than just some empty physical movement. And I, I think it, as a church, we should do a better job. I mean, it, and again, I think it begins in the home, like you're mentioning, of, of making sure we give our kids and give ourselves permission to dig into the why and then watch what happens as a result. Mm -hmm. So obviously churches shut down for a while for COVID, right? Right. <laughs> okay. So live stream, that was, that was the option. Yeah. I, I feel bad for, you know, like the people that, you know, missed out on receiving Jesus in the Eucharist during that time. I, of course, wasn't eligible at that point because I, right, right. you know, wasn't actually um, in the church fully. But for me, the live stream was one of the best things that ever happened to me because wow. yeah. as I had, we used to drag our dining room table benches into the living room, turn yeah. on the TV, you know, to do, trying to make it a reverent time, trying to make yeah. it still, okay, we're trying to do our best to be close to the mass. I was able to pause it not only for behavioral issues because right, <laughs> but that right, many you got that many are. in the house. Yep, <laughs> but it was so beautiful because it gave me the opportunity to on the spot say, "Do you know why we're doing this? Mm. Do you know what this means? Why are we going to stand up now? Why are we going yeah. like it? It gave me an opportunity where in church, obviously, I'm not trying to be disruptive. Yeah. You know, if that's right. not really the time to educate your children on mm -hmm, what's going on. Mm -hmm. It has to, it has to be outside of that because you want to teach them. We need to be paying attention. We need to be focused. We don't want to distract yeah. others. So the live stream gave me months and months of opportunity to teach right there. So that was really yeah. awesome to me. That's so. beautiful. That's, that's one really positive spin on, on all of that, right? Because <laughs> the first weekend that all the live streams took place, I guess it was like mid-March 2020. Everything shut yeah. down on like the 11th and 12th. It was Friday the 13th when my husband came home from school and didn't go back until October. Yes. And so it was like the following weekend and our diocese had somehow managed to lock in the 8 a.m. spot on the local NBC affiliate channel. And then every parish had figured out Facebook live streams with phones at the very least and then expanded everything. And it was hard at first. Rose was only two and a half, but then eventually mm -hmm. there was some value in gift. And we did like a family liturgy of the word and then we would make our spiritual communion together. And it had never occurred to me that even at two and a half, she can do a spiritual communion. Like that's what she should oh, be doing up until yes. she receives first communion. And sure, she can't say those words, but we can say them together. She can repeat some of them. Right. I want to talk for a minute about our mutual friend, Father Cassidy, who at he's at St. Bede in yeah. Virginia, yep. which is a beautiful church. I've, I've had the, the pleasure of getting to visit there and, and see some of the property. It's gorgeous. What was it like? First of all, did you know him before as a Twitter priest, like when you were like Catholic curious or Jason, or did you get to know him in person? What was that building a relationship, getting to know a parish community? I think a lot of Catholics take that for granted if they've always been Catholic and just always been like it. I've grown up with the people that I go to mass with every Sunday. 
Mm-hmm. It's never been anything other than Katie the kid, who then played her violin, who was in the youth minister, who's now raising her kids Catholic. But you were brand new. What was it like to come into the community? How did you get to know the priest? What What did you find and experience? So another cool, like, God moment. The house that we're currently in, I found this house on Zillow as we were searching, trying to find, you know, someplace to live. And we didn't necessarily need it to be Williamsburg. We were just looking for something affordable that could fit all the kids and needing right. a homeschool room and all this stuff. Well, the thing that really sold me was that they actually left up their icons and their different, Oh wow! like the crucifix was hanging above the fireplace. And that really kind of made me go, whoa. And I still wasn't totally sure like how I felt about this stuff. Definitely did not know how I felt about Mary. But there was a picture of the office, which is now our playroom. And on the wall, there was the sacred heart. Jesus, Immaculate oh, wow. Heart Mary. And when I looked at that picture, it was the first time, and I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a little emotional about it because it was mm-hmm. such a beautiful moment for me. As I looked at that picture of Mary's picture, it was, I felt like she was looking out for me in oh, finding wow. this home. Mm-hmm. So she drew us to this home, which is what then brought us here up to Williamsburg because my husband works um, down at Langley. So the Mm-hmm. It's not even a close commute for him. But this, and I've said, this is the home. And I feel like Mary is guiding us to this home. And so that, that was the first time I felt her motherly yeah. love and support was that yeah. moment. It's so strange as I'm looking at yeah. the So fast forward, we bought the house and sight unseen, like other than pictures. And yeah, that's what military here. families and, do. Yeah. And <laughs> a lot of trust. <laughs> just cited, you know, we're signing the papers and stuff. I kind of researched, who are we buying this from? Whatever. Well, checked her Facebook. Well, guess what? She worked at St. Bede's. I'm like, oh, wow. what? Okay. <laughs> Wild. So I didn't end up seeing her at closing. We didn't meet at that point, but I reached out to her because some packages had come to the house and I reached out to her on Facebook. And when I met her in person to give her the packages, she said, you know, thank you. And I said, I noticed you're, you know, you're, you're Catholic and you go to St. Bede's and we're about to try to go this Sunday. And she said, oh, can I meet you there, you know, a certain mass time and I'll Mm. kind of show you where to go and stuff. So she brought us there and then she said, I really need you to meet this new priest. He like just got here to church this summer. And, you know, here it was August of, of 19. And so Mm -hmm. Father Cassie was newly ordained and because he got ordained in June. And so she introduced us to Father Cassidy that first Sunday. And that's we found awesome. out that he, his family was, you know, converts, you know, he came in yeah. later, you know, I think he was like 12 mm-hmm. when his family joined and, and he was homeschooled. And it was like, we just had this kind of like instant connection. And my husband's looking at his face. He goes, I think I know him. Like, and I, he realized mm-hmm. on the way home, he'd been following him on Twitter. Oh, wow. And put it together that, oh my goodness, that's the same guy. Yeah. So we, we ended up having him over for dinner then, and we have just yeah. developed a really close relationship. My children adore him. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, going <laughs> Hard going not forward, to. He's a lovable guy. <laughs> I, um, when my daughter, Vivian, who's four, who really kind of has started a lot of all this, right? She was a puker. <laughs> yeah. Um, she she sees Father Cassidy in line. You know, she's got her arms crossed, and she goes, right. and she waves all wildly, oh, all yeah. excited to see him. And then after Mass this last Sunday, she's throws herself into, you know, give him a hug. Oh, yeah. you know, there's, like the kids love him. So he's, yeah. he's walked through this whole process with us of joining the church and 
Mm -hmm. So he's just been very, very, very special to our family. Yeah. I love that. That's such a, that's such a great story. Both of those connections, the Holy Spirit definitely drove y'all to the church, right? Like like, hop in the car, we're headed in guys. I know you might, you might think it's a little twisty, windy road. So COVID hits, y'all were not Catholic yet. Y'all had not fully joined. When did y'all join the church? And then tell me about that. Like, what was that day like? I mean, I know what baptism days are like for itty bitty babies. I remember my confirmation vividly, my wedding day. What was all of that like? Y'all got your, your marriage convalidated in the church, all, all of it. What, what was it like for you guys? So we had started going through RCAA and obviously like had we been able to, we would have come in when everyone else did that. Year, right. Although they'd put it off because Easter mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't didn't yeah, Easter 2020 COVID, just right? didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Right. So <laughs> everyone else that was in the RCAA class was able to join in July, I believe, is when everyone was confirmed mm-hmm. because I went and I so I'm watching everyone else. Um and the reason why is because I had to have an annulment. I was previously mm-hmm. married. So that's a whole long story. Yeah. Rather yeah. ugly one, but the Lord brought me in out yeah. of that and to a beautiful place. So we were still working through the annulment process and Father Cassidy mm-hmm. walked through that entire thing, which that was a very complicated, long process, yeah, yeah. but he really was right there by my side through all of it as I worked through the pain of all that and all of yeah. the mm-hmm. healing I needed, which was really beautiful. So we were waiting. We could join as soon as that was complete. The oh, process wow. was complete. Well, my husband got orders to deploy um, and he was set to deploy in September of twenty. Mm. And here it is, August. And we've been checking every month. I would call, I mean, that, that office. Oh, yeah. The they they knew you. Come. Yes. <laughs> that, we, were, we were anxious. I mean, I, yeah. I would long to receive Jesus mm-hmm. and neighbors. I mean, I just, I would tear up every single time everyone else went forward. We would stay in the pew just because it, it was such a show to get everyone up there. And so we would just yeah. kind of hang back. Yeah. And I longed for that. I longed to be fully in the family, right? Mm-hmm. And so as his deployment is drawing closer, I kind of was giving up hope at that point, you know, okay, well, and my husband said, well, we should at least get the kids baptized. Let's at least do that. So we did that September 5th, 2020. And that was beautiful. And it was just one kid after the other. And it was just, yeah. oh, it was so beautiful to see that. And for us, obviously, it's the first time that we yeah. had, I hadn't even been to a baptism, mm. like a Catholic baptism. So it was all new as I'm experiencing it. And it was really beautiful. And Father Cassidy called me early September. And he said, I got something to tell you. And I knew right then that, that -hmm. it was like going to be the best news. And sure enough, everything was finished, complete. And so we could go forward with the process of, of -hmm. joining the church then. And it came down to the wire. There was only one Sunday left before my husband had to go into his quarantine okay, to quarantine yeah, in order to yeah. write. And so September 13th, 2020 on the very last day, he started quarantine the 14th. Wow. Like, we were able to be confirmed and receive our first That's Holy Communion. And it was, yeah, it was such an amazing day. I, yeah. And then to have our marriage, you know, convalidated, like we did the little ceremony just really quick yeah. outside um, there, yeah. the St. Beads. And I just. A triple, such... quadruple, right? So con- confirmation, first communion, yes, first confession, and then you got your marriage convalidated. Well, I had done my confession a while back. Okay. I felt like I couldn't wait on that. I actually begged okay. to do okay. that because yeah. I had a yeah. whole lifetime of things, oh, right? Yeah. And 
that was always one of the things as a project. I'm like, does God really forget? Like, I don't know. Have mm-hmm. I said sorry for everything? Have I? Yeah. yeah. Like, so <laughs> you just need a general I, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was part of lengthy, but Father yeah. Cassidy was fantastic for doing that confession. So yeah, we had all of that all in one day. It was just such a mm-hmm. beautiful celebration of our family finally being united with everyone else yeah. in the body of Christ. And it was just so beautiful. But it was not met without challenges. I had one of the most dramatic spiritual attacks I think I've ever had the day prior to the point where I was doubting everything, Mm -hmm. like everything. And it was a really dark day for me. And I had felt a very close connection to St. Benedict through this whole process. So he was my confirmation saint. And as I was listening to some music in the shower, just trying to kind of calm down because I was just very, I was just very like distraught. Like Mm -hmm. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. God doesn't want me. I mean, I thoughts that are clearly from Satan. This is not Mm -hmm. what the Lord, the Lord doesn't want to keep me back from this. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden my music changed and I, it doesn't make any sense because it was not at all closely. It was like, the Benedictines of Mary, like their mm-hmm. music. And so it doesn't make sense that it switched and I can't even remember the exact song, but it was this like light and everything's going to be okay. And the entire bathroom, suddenly sun flooded in at the exact wow. moment that the song changed. And I just felt like this strong presence of the Lord that it was going to be okay. And that I needed to mm-hmm. press forward and that it had been an attack and he was going to bring me through. Yeah, It was just, I don't know. I just feel like God has had his hand on our family yeah. so strongly through this whole it entire sounds process, like, it. like so many moments. Well, there's such a, a witness of, I mean, there's so many components to the story of obviously the Holy Spirit is present and moving, mm-hmm. but it's a military family. It's a big military family. You you are used to disruption in the course of your life, having to move and with deployments and and all of that. It's not... It is not a cookie cutter story and it's not a cookie cutter life. And so the Lord providing confirmations at different moments to say like, no, this is what you need. And this is, this is something that will be pleasing to the Lord and good for the benefit of the church. And obviously for the benefit of your family, the devil hates that. The devil doesn't want anything like that to take place. And I think it's so beautiful that there are these consistent moments of confirmation that becoming Catholic is, is what the Lord wants for you. That the mass is, is the anchor of your life, that this all began with, do we need to go to Catholic mass and like actually give it, give it a shot? We've yeah. concluded all of our podcasts this season, all of our different guests asking them one simple question that has provided a variety of answers. And I love it because you know, it's different for every person. You walk into mass on Sunday, gaggle of children behind you, maybe only half listening to the readings because you're, you're trying <laughs> to manage the chaos and I'm right there with you. What's your favorite part of the mass? What's your absolute favorite part on that Sunday morning with your family? My absolute favorite part, I think, is the Gloria. Like, so when we have to put mm-hmm. that away for a little bit, I think that's because I, I first connected with that. And I just singing the words of that, mm-hmm. I feel such a strong rejoicing in the glory of God that yeah. I am wholeheartedly <laughs> a part of that. Like, no matter yeah. what's going on, and I, I sometimes am kind of bouncing a child on my hip as I'm, you yeah. know, singing, <laughs> you, you know, and, yeah. and teaching, teaching them the words to it. Like that, I yeah. think that was my absolute favorite part. I mean, other than obviously awesome. receiving Jesus. 
obviously receiving what? Jesus. I mean, yeah, every, like, everybody's I mean, qualified. Like, of course, the Eucharist is the best. But this little tiny moment is actually my favorite part. I love I nobody love said it. the Gloria yet. That's great. It's a bit, it's been different truly for every person because I think we walk in and yeah, we're all doing the same thing, but every mm-hmm. single person is captured and caught up by a different moment. So Amber, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Where can we follow you on social media? See your beautiful kids, your beautiful family, hear more of your thoughts. I am on Twitter. It's modder underscore Casey. Awesome. We'll put a a link down in the show notes. She's worth a follow folks. Thanks so much for taking the time, Amber. We really appreciate it. It was fun talking to you. I think my favorite part of this job, of, of getting to talk to people, of getting to hear their stories, of getting to learn a little bit of their life experiences and then share them with you, is that I, I walk away from these interviews and I, I just kind of get to sit back for a second, look at some of the notes that I wrote down, think about the story that was just told to me, and and realize that you know this is a, a fellow Catholic in the vineyard. This is a a fellow Catholic mom. She lives a thousand miles away, but yet we still have a lot in common. I think we'd be friends if we got to hang out and have coffee and let our kids run around in the backyard. We all got to pack the kids up and, and go to mass. That this is a story that is very unique in particular, but is also universal, as is most of the Catholic experience, because the mass I go to in Louisiana and the mass the Casey's are going to in Virginia and the mass you're going to wherever you happen to be It's all worshiping at the altar and receiving the Lord in the Eucharist. And there's something connecting about that. There's something that that bonds us together. And realizing and learning that the Mass is not just this passive activity that we do when we feel like it, but is in fact this transformative experience that changes everything. This whole series on the Mass is really given me a new, deeper appreciation of of the different ways that worship should happen, the different ways that worship can happen, the different ways that I am called to more fully invest in worship of the Mass. And so if you've missed any of our content, click over to our website, AveMariaPress.com. The link is down in the show notes, and you can find what we've had made for you, conversations with theologians, with people who work in dioceses and parishes, people who sit in the pew just like you every single Sunday, priests who are leading us in our worship and helping us understand in a deeper way what that worship is meant to be like and what that worship can do in our lives. I really think you're going to enjoy everything that we've created for you. So go to our website, AveMariaPress.com, and you'll find it all there. We're going to wrap up our series in the next couple of episodes. We've got the folks from Nativity Parish in Baltimore who are going to talk to us about how they transformed Sunday worship for their parish community. Father Michael White and Tom Cochran will be joining us. And then we wrap up the whole series next week with Mark Hart, my good friend, the Bible geek, stopping on by to talk to us about how the Mass on an ordinary Sunday can make everything completely different. So if you are subscribed, stay subscribed. If you want to share this with somebody else, send them the link. Give it a rating and a review if you want more folks to find all of the great things we're creating. We're so glad that you're with us, and we'll be back soon for more of Ave Explores the Mass. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.